0: Good morning and welcome to the Just Run With It podcast. We are on episode eight, guys. I am Fiona O'Donnell. I am a performance nutritionist and health coach. And I'm here to talk you through another case study today. Now, today's case study, I'm just going to give you a trigger warning just in case you have any issues around food or any discussions of fat loss, body image, anything at all like that. This podcast contains some reference to fat loss. Um, So I just want to make you aware of that before you continue to listen. So usually with these podcasts, guys, and I forgot to do it for the last one, we do a little bit of extra movement. If you're out and about walking, listening to this podcast, or indeed if you're running, I'm going to make a suggestion. When you hear this music coming in in the background, I'm going to suggest that you increase your pace, that you maybe go from a walk to a gentle jog. It's only gonna last for a minute at a time, okay? I'm not gonna kill you with it. But it's just a little reminder to maybe work a little bit harder. And you might come away having learned something And feeling a little bit fitter. If you are indoors, if you're doing housework, if you're working from home, if you're working at home, if you are listening at your desk, you might decide to do something like pelvic floor exercises. You might decide to stand up and do some squats. You might decide to stand on one foot and work your balance. Either way, decide what you're going to do. Get an idea in your head right now of. What you're going to spend the one minute while you're listening to this music, doing, and when you hear the music again, just go for it. So today we're going to talk about Mary, the famous Mary, because it's Mary every week. Um, obviously, I'm not going to share my client's details. <laughs> I won't give you her date of birth and and where she lives. Uh, that would be inappropriate. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Mary. And as I said to you, Mary, we're gonna. There's going to be some reference to fat loss here today because in Mary's own words her goal was to lose excess flab and to tone up she wants to get fitter and she wants to get leaner now i'm going to say that judging by mary's conversations around food and and we've had this conversation ourselves she is quite preoccupied with food it is something that really takes up a lot of her headspace it really just has become this earworm that she can't get away from and what we don't want to do Is further damage Mary's relationship with food. We don't want to further damage Mary's relationship with her body. And so I've explained to her that most certainly we will not be starting her journey with weight loss. So I made a comment to her in feedback last week. And that's where this case study is coming from because she came back to me and she said, Fiona, you said you can't start your fat loss if you're not eating enough to begin with. And uh, I suppose this this sentence is taken out of context in the in the larger context of the feedback I had given her, but I had asked her to increase her carbohydrate intake. Now, throughout her day, Mary is probably she's having a small bowl of porridge in the morning. Okay, so she says very specifically thirty grams. She's having a uh, slice of bread sometimes with her lunch and a bowl of vegetable soup, and then at dinner time, she's rarely having uh, any carbohydrates other than vegetables that she's stir frying. So when we looked at the overall intake of carbohydrates throughout the day, including vegetables, including some fruit, a fruit cup in the evening, uh, we were looking at about 160 grams. Now, as I calculated it, I would probably, there's there's very rare circumstance where I would have anybody on less than approximately four hand-sized portions of carbohydrates a day. For most people, that equates to about 200 grams of carbohydrates. Okay. Now, at Mary's current weight, we're looking there at about 5 grams per kilogram of body weight. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritties today. Okay, I don't really want to get bogged down in the numbers because I want to look at this as a larger picture. How do I as a nutritionist, as a health coach, help Mary achieve what she wants to achieve with her body? but also not damage your relationship with food. Because this is the big question, right? We want to we want to move away from diet culture. We want to move away from the idea that smaller is better. We want to move away from the idea that the only acceptable body is a perfect body. Because let's face it, any one of us who um, have, and we've all put up weight at some stage in our lives, our weight fluctuates throughout our life cycle. And um, I mean, we've gone from being age 12 and a certain weight to age 16 being another weight. And that might just be with the the growth of boobs and hips. And, you know, like it's, it's fruitless to think that our bodies are going to stay the same for our entire lives. As we move into a perimenopausal phase, which is where Mary is at the moment, we also go through another series of changes. And one of those changes is that we tend to accrue more fat on our abdomen. And uh, some of you may recognise that you lose fat from your legs and your thighs, and it starts to accrue more around your centre. So, of course, when we look at the fat that grows in our abdominal space around our organs, we know that when that's present, that there are higher health risks associated with that. So, what can we do then? Do we do we just focus on weight loss? But well, that's not really, that's not really going to punch the ticket on ensuring that we have health benefits, okay? If we're focusing on the scale, we're not really focusing on the issue at hand. What we really need to do is focus on health behaviours, because if we're focusing on the scales, of course, we all know, we've all heard that, that there are people who end up, and bearing in mind, I come from a background in cardiology there was a lot of people ended up on the table in the cath lab in cardiology who were what you would describe as tall, straight-sized bodies, lean individuals who had cardiovascular disease. So guys, lifestyle is a massive factor. It is not down to weight alone. And even at that, we can't say that somebody who is living in a larger body or somebody who has, uh, again, to quote Mary's use of terms, excess flab, Is in any way unhealthy. They can have a really healthy lifestyle and be eating really well and be healthy. So, um, okay, what we're going to look at here is a couple of different elements. Now, Mary came back to me and said, Fiona, you said you can't start your fat loss if you're not eating enough to begin with. Now, my reference there was to the fact that her carbohydrate intake was pretty low. There are days where Mary goes out and she does a 5K walk followed by her 20 minute session that I've given her and her session that I've given her is based around mobility work and strength work because as a woman who's in her mid to late 40s, what we really want to focus on is as she comes into a perimenopausal phase and she's on HRT, we want to focus on prevention of muscle attrition. So what does that mean? We want to stop Mary losing any more muscle than she may have already lost. So we want to do that by increasing Mary's muscle growth stimulation. Okay, now what do I mean by that? In order for us to stimulate muscle growth, we need to do exercise that we feel poor at. We need to do exercise that we feel weak at. So that means doing strength work and doing strength work to the point where you know, you, there's no point really in lifting a two litre bottle of water and saying, hey, this is, I could do these forever. I've done 20 bicep curls. Look at me, aren't I great? We want to actually stimulate muscle growth. And we can't do that by applying a stressor that isn't really a stressor. We need to actually be working on our muscles and it should feel difficult, right? So we want to be lifting weights that are heavy. We want to be doing things that are difficult. Put up your hands. Well, don't if you're out walking the streets because someone's gonna stop their car. If you feel that you couldn't get on the ground right now and do a press up, virtually raise your hand. Okay, have a think about that. Can you do one full press up? Okay, so as you move into a perimenopausal phase and you decide to go start walking the roads or you decide to run, you're improving impact to your lower body. Okay, so you're going to improve bone density, but you're not doing anything for your upper body. If you're not doing any strength work on your upper body, what happens if you fall and you're going through menopause, we have less estrogen, so bone turnover becomes reduced. Maybe you develop a little bit of osteopenia because let's face it, ladies, none of us are eating enough protein. So what's actually going to happen is you're going to fall, you're going to break your wrist. You're going to fall, you're going to break your shoulder. You're going to fall, you're going to break a rib. So, what we want to be doing is actually engaging in strength movements that are going to keep our bones strong. And we need to meet that with optimizing our protein intake. So, when I spoke to Mary about her intake, I don't want her going out and focusing on fat loss, which is where we have to decrease her energy intake. So, we have to reduce her intake of food. When, as it stands, she is not getting enough carbohydrates to meet the demands of her body and she's not getting enough protein to meet the demands of her body. So currently, there are days where Mary's only protein intake is lunch and dinner. Okay, that's two portions of protein. Fried steak at dinner time and some chicken at lunchtime, for example. Other days, she has two eggs at breakfast. So when we look at uh, portion sizes, we're looking at about a palm-sized portion of protein. And the good thing about palm-sized portions is that your palm suits your body size. So you can judge if you've got a palm-sized portion of steak, that portion is going to work for you, it's going to work for me, for my palm size. So that's how you're going to gauge. Ideally, to prevent deficiency, you want to be having four palm-sized portions of protein a day. Now, here's where the complicated bit comes in, because when we use that terminology, we're generally referring to animal-based protein, and there seems to have been quite a significant movement to plant-based proteins. So, if you're looking at having, I don't know, chickpeas, then you need to double that portion. But we always think that chickpeas are protein. They're about 10% protein, but the vast majority are... the the mo the most amount of energy in chickpeas actually comes from carbohydrates. So chickpeas are quite high in carbohydrates, which means that they're a great energy source, a great source of fiber, a great source of iron. So okay, what what am I getting down to in the nitty-gritty here? How am I going to help Mary meet her goals, meet her targets? And why am I telling her that I need her to not start this program? and work through the lens of fat loss. Because even this morning, as I've recorded this podcast, she's come back to me again and said, I've gone, through, uh, I've gone through the content in the back end of the program. So every day in the advanced program, actually, while I'm chatting here, come on, put in a bit of effort, guys. Let's go for one minute of movement. In the back end of the advanced program, every day there are videos for you to learn from. So every day there are videos on the program that are going to contribute to you learning a little bit more about food. And this morning's video was about portions. And what I referred to in portions is that whether you are increasing your energy output and you need to increase your 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 carbohydrate intake or whether you want to decrease your energy input uh, if fat loss is your goal and Whatever you're doing with your, with your carbohydrates and fat, we're keeping protein the same. And because Mary is looking at everything through the lens of fat loss, her immediate question to me was, do I need to reduce my fat intake and my carbohydrate intake? And this is just coming days after I have told her that I would like her to increase her carbohydrate intake. Now, I want her to increase her carbohydrate intake because she's going out, she's doing 8K runs. She's doing strength sessions. And listen, there's none of us can actually function doing high volume work like that without carbohydrates on board. So I'm just going to give you a second here to recover. If you've been squatting or if you've been doing a little jog, take a moment to take a breath in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. And one more time, take a nice long breath in through your nose. And when you breathe out, I want you to try and extend that breath for as long as it'll go. Breathe out as far as you can. Okay, and back to the content here. So when we look at our nutrition through the lens of fat loss always, this can really result in a preoccupation with our food and it means that we're not prioritizing nutrition. And this is where I want to start with Mary. I want to prioritize. I want to get her thinking about what foods satisfy her. Now, when I looked through, so I had asked her to do a food journal, and the three questions we gave were, why are you eating the food you're eating? So, are you hungry? Are you rushing? Are you tired? Uh, Were you satisfied? And indeed, were you full? Because being satisfied and being full are, of course, two different things. So, what I noticed was that sometimes, um. Sometimes Mary was full, sometimes she wasn't full, but for most of the time, all bar one or two meals, she was very satisfied. It was very tasty. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't look forward to every single meal with quite as much enthusiasm as that. I want you to think about this for a moment. When you're rushing around and you're kind of thinking, um, okay, I'm just going to grab a toasted sandwich here now. Do you have that toasted sandwich and think to yourself, oh my God, that was that was super, that was very tasty. I'm very satisfied by that. Or do you think, yeah, that was grand. That was satisfying. Yeah, I, I feel satisfied. You know, it, it filled a hole. That was grand. So I think sometimes when we're very preoccupied with food, we can we can be really, really um feel really satisfied after our meals because we've been thinking about them. Okay, And this is absolutely not a criticism of Mary at all. It's a recognition of the fact that I think her degree of satisfaction with food is a reflection of the fact that she's quite preoccupied with food. And this is what we spoke about the very first time we spoke. She wants to move away from this. So if I was to suggest, let's go down the route of restricting food here now let's get rid of the oil you're cooking with. Let's get rid of the cream cheese you're having with your steak. Let's get rid of the A, B and C. This is the only thing that Mary would be able to think of. It's like saying to a child, don't press the red button. You want to press the red button. So what we're looking for overall is to relax around food a little bit more. And that is what needs to happen before we ever go near fat loss in order for us to do that, we shift the emphasis onto performance. So how do we encourage Mary to focus on performance, to focus on developing lean mass? And when we look back at Mary's goals, what she's saying is that she wants to lose excess flab and tone up. And I'm going to make this suggestion. I'm going to make, so when we look at that term tone up, in order for us to do that, we need to build muscle, right? So what I'm going to suggest is that we make some changes to Mary's eating that is going to encourage muscle growth, that is going to encourage um, an emphasis on performance, and it's going to take the emphasis away from fat loss, and we're going to take a two-phased approach. So my ideal goal is that first we're going to build some muscle. And by that, I don't mean that we're going to have Mary looking like Arnie, walking out her, her living room um, and not able to get through the door because her shoulders are so massive. I'm talking about the fact that we want to develop lean muscle so that we prevent further injuries, that we we stop or we halt muscle attrition in its tracks. And we get Mary feeling really strong, really energized and focused on her performance so that when we go back to looking at food a little bit more closely, we can look at it through the lens of, okay, well, now I feel great at the moment. How do I keep that up whilst also maintaining the gains that I have made? Because that's where the sweet spot is. You can focus on fat loss far more easily, I feel, once you have looked at food through a lens of optimizing performance. Because When you look at food through the lens of trying to reduce your body size, it becomes very negative. It's not fun. It feels really hard. Nobody likes restriction. But when we look at food through the lens of performance, it becomes this really positive drive for good. It becomes this really positive, um, how can I eat something that's delicious and also feel great and also, oh wow, well look, I'm building muscle, so also look great as well. And this of course is completely subjective. If you look great, uh, it's, it's through your own lens. So what does that mean to you? So that is the angle we're going to take. In order for us to do that, I'm going to ask Mary, so she asked me the other day if she's eating too much protein. And I've directed her to the portion videos I spoke about there now that are in the content for today. I'm going to ask her to focus on getting four portions of protein each and every day. So that includes her two eggs in the morning, her her lunch, her dinner and maybe one other portion throughout the day which may be you know a high protein yogurt, it might be a glass of milk and it might be that she's having her cappuccino and she's thinking okay this is this is contributing to my overall protein intake but how do I optimize this? Can I have something with it that's going to contribute to my protein intake and maybe we can maybe we can swap out that oil that we're trying to focus so hard on to maintain my fat intake maybe maybe i can just have my steak with a little bit of butter or a small drizzle of oil rather than frying it hard in oil maybe i can instead swap that out for some extra yogurt in a smoothie maybe i can have um some seeds in my porridge in the morning uh, or some seeds and in, in flaked almonds in my in my porridge in the evening anything at all like that, that's going to contribute to further nutrition, but isn't just going to add extra energy. All right. So we're looking to optimize the nourishment that we get from food. So when we look at, there's nothing wrong with oil, guys. There's absolutely nothing wrong with oil and having oils and dressings and everything, uh, walnut oil, flax oil, any of those are really going to contribute to your intake of um, your, your essential fatty acids. But if we're having loads of them throughout our day, then we can reduce those a little bit and put something else in there that's going to contribute a little bit more in terms of um, micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. So that's what we're going to look to do. We're going to ensure that, as I said, Mary is eating enough protein. We're also going to look at increasing her uh, carbohydrate intake around her training sessions. So currently, Mary for breakfast is having a two egg omelette with loads of veggies in it. High fibre, high protein, wonderful. Mary is also having some porridge with her breakfast. On that note, let's get moving. Uh, just increase it a little bit. We're 20 minutes in and I've only asked you to do this twice, so I'm not not—I'm not being too cruel. Um, so Mary has also usually got a bowl of porridge with her breakfast in the morning. and She did complain of bloating. And I would say this is probably more relating to the fact that she's having quite a high intake of fibre in the morning loads of berries and fruit on top of her porridge, and an omelette with loads of veggies. So maybe it's just too early in the morning for her her stomach to accommodate that much fibre. So I would say split those portions of food. And if you're going out and doing a big long run in the morning, which Mary often does, I'd say have your porridge the hour beforehand, give it enough time to settle, and then have your omelette afterwards. So you're getting your little bit of protein and carbohydrates after the run and you're getting your carbohydrates before the run. And that's that's actually what we're going to focus on in terms of uh, optimizing performance. So you're going to be really well fueled for your run. You're going to feel good for your run. You're going to feel like you're energized for your run. And then you're going to recover well after the run. And I would probably after that run, because overall, I think in a day, Mary's not having enough carbohydrates. I would definitely say have that slice of brown bread with your omelette and that should be enough as a breakfast and mid-morning. I think that's far better than just reaching for a cappuccino. By all means, have a cappuccino an hour later, go for it and enjoy it. So we've spoken about quite a bit today and we need to get a really clear idea on what the take-home messages are here and how you might be able to apply what I'm discussing in this podcast with your own life. Okay, so Mary's goal is to lose, again, using her own terminology, excess flab and to tone up. She wants to get fitter and she wants to get leaner. And she was really curious about my comment, you can't start with fat loss if you're not eating enough to begin with. Many people who pick up the phone and call me and say, Fiona, I want to join your program are eating what they refer to as a really healthy diet or they're eating really clean and they're already in a deficit. Okay, so normal Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday or Monday to Wednesday or nine o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock in the evening, they're eating really well and they're being very inadverted commas good in their own words. And then in the evenings, they're slogging through chocolate and um, crisps and, uh, you know, having some cheese and crackers and eating out at the weekend, having their few pints or having their few glass of wine. And basically these, these foods, they're having them because they're restricting so hard during the week. They feel like breaking out in the evening. They feel like breaking out hard at the weekends and it's just bringing them back to maintenance. Okay. So bringing them back to that space where they're in energy balance and look. If this is the space that you're at, and if you're at maintenance, that's a wonderful, wonderful space to be in. If you feel that that works for you, and that you have a certain routine Monday to Friday, and that you have a different routine at the weekends, but it all balances out, and you're happy to stay in the space that you're in, that's fantastic. That's what we refer to as maintenance. That's called having balance. You know, you can once once it's not doing you harm once you're not overdoing it at the weekend to the point of feeling unwell and having massive food guilt on monday to the point where you're starving yourself on a monday if you're just going you know what i just eat regular plain foods during the week and mostly a whole food diet and i really nourish myself well and then at the weekends i go get a pizza i have a few glasses of wine and i really enjoy it then if that's what you enjoy that's wonderful there is actually nothing wrong with that however if you're in a space where you're saying oh but i really want to lose weight and i've been trying for ages and i'm failing i'm failing i'm failing and you're stuck in this narrative because you're starving yourself during the week and then you're breaking out at the weekend then we there there is no point in coming to me and saying Fiona i want to lose weight that's the first thing i want to do because what we actually need to do where we actually need to start is to repair this cycle of restriction and overdoing it that you have okay and I'm not going to use the word binging here because that's a different that's a different conversation for another day but there's loads of you out there and I know at least 50% of the people listening to this podcast are going to be thinking to themselves yeah on a Friday evening I do that I, I we get the takeaway and we do this and I don't do it because I enjoy it and because I love spending time with my family and it's the opportunity to sit down and have, have some really great time to spend together, I do it because I feel I need to. That's not a great place to be in. So I'm not going to come along then as a personal trainer, as a nutritionist, as a, a lifestyle coach, as a health coach, and say, "Yeah, I can help you lose five pounds. Let's do it. Okay, you know when you're being really good during the week? Well, you know, you're going to need to cut out that slice of bread. And you know, at the weekend when you're having that um, takeaway on a Friday night where you're really enjoying time with your family, you're going to need to cut that out as well. And actually no wine. Because here's a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Newsflash? That's what it takes. If you're only focusing on the numbers, that's what it takes. And I will never, never do that to my clients. I much prefer to come along and say, right, this is your relationship with food now. Okay, let's, let's spend some time working on that. And if you're not willing to work on that, guys, I won't, I won't take you on as a client. So this is a conversation that I've had with Mary and Mary has agreed. And she's, I think, I would, I would guess that she's really working hard in the background to change the narrative around food, but it's a really difficult thing to do. So it's baby steps. We're only a very short way into the program, uh, or rather Mary is only a very short way into the program. And we're really trying to focus on um, developing that relationship with food and letting go of that restrictive mindset. So I have asked her to have chocolate whenever she wants to have chocolate and see what that feels like. So again, back to the takeaways, what are we doing here? We are letting go of the restriction around chocolate. This week I've asked Mary to increase her carbohydrate intake and I've asked her to center that carbohydrate intake around her training sessions so that her energy is higher, she feels better and to have some carbohydrates in the evening before bed because she'll very likely sleep a little bit better too. Especially women coming through that perimenopausal phase, sleep is disrupted and it is horrible because you're really tired, all you want to do is sleep and you've got restless legs jumping out from underneath the bed covers. It's really frustrating. So. We don't want to compound that by restricting carbohydrates. We're going to increase them really slowly so that they don't contribute to any bloating. And hopefully when Mary listens to this podcast, because I've told her I'm going to answer all these questions in podcast format, uh, she gets an idea that we may cut back ever so slightly on the fibre intake in the morning. And when I say cut back, I don't mean stop having it. I mean, just potentially spread it out on either side of her training session. So. We're going to have before the training session, a small portion of carbohydrates about an hour beforehand, especially ahead of that 8k run. We don't need a massive amount of carbohydrates ahead of an 8k run because it's going to be under the hour usually, but we're going to feel a little bit better fueled on carbohydrates, that much I can guarantee. We're going to have a small portion of carbohydrates like a slice of brown bread and a portion of protein after the training session this is going to help with muscle repair and it's going to help with recovery. It's also going to prevent or contribute to prevention of those energy slumps later in the day because we're fueling appropriately after the training session. So that's about it guys. I'm going to come back and maybe give you a little bit of an update on Mary's case study in a couple of weeks going to be a couple of weeks because this is going to take a little bit of time to get right in the meantime I'm going to ask you to increase the pace a little bit again and go for that little jog and you can officially say when you finish listening to this podcast oh my god I went for a run today even if it's just running now for this one minute even if you didn't run before now you can come back and say I was out for 30 minutes and I ran and this might be the start of your running career, guys. It might be the start of something beautiful. Or if you're standing in your kitchen squatting at the moment, good for you. Or doing press-ups press against the kitchen counter. Um, so moving carbohydrates around training times. Increasing carbohydrate intake overall. Having some before bed to feel satisfied. Keeping that reflective journal going where we're looking at food not to make changes but just to observe it and to ask ourselves how does that feel am i enjoying it cutting out restriction so allowing ourselves the opportunity to have chocolate when we feel like it and asking ourselves what is the worst that can happen what is what is really going on here when we the one last thing i'll say is that idea of stopping restriction to chocolate can be really scary for people Especially if they're afraid of putting on weight. Okay. I think we need to get our minds right around this. This is not uh, my suggestion to go out and horse into an entire box of milk tray, the two levels of it. Okay. This is my suggestion to give yourself permission to have chocolate when you want to have chocolate. And then occasionally to say to yourself, well, What's going on here? Am I hungry? Because if I'm hungry, chocolate is probably not the best thing to have. Maybe I should go and have a chicken sandwich or a bowl of pasta or a big salad or a slice of pizza. Because maybe you're having chocolate and you're actually hungry, and what you need is something else that's going to satisfy you a bit more. You might feel satisfied after chocolate because it has lots of carbohydrates, uh, sugars, and fats in it, and they triggered the satisfaction center in our brain, okay? We release loads of dopamine when we have chocolate. But maybe what you actually need is proper food. So why don't you try after this? Have a think about it. When you're craving chocolate, asking yourself, am I craving chocolate because I'm having a really strong feeling? Am I craving chocolate because It's habit. I'm sitting in my same spot on the couch that I always sit on, and I always want a cup of tea and a bar of chocolate at this time in the evening. Or are you hungry? And maybe asking yourself those questions is just what you need to start flipping the narrative around your food restriction. Okay, so. This is the last time I'm going to ask you for a little bit of an effort, guys. We really condensed these efforts into the last last portion of the podcast. But don't worry about it. I'm promising you this is going to feel good in the end. So looking at the bigger picture here, guys, uh, I want you to make sure that you are not getting yourself stuck in a hole where you're not leaving yourself anywhere to go. Are you being so good during the week or during the day that you're ending up hungry in the evening? Are you being so good during the day and really trying to hit those macro targets and everything that you're not listening to what your body is actually needing? Are you ignoring your hunger cues? Are you ignoring fatigue? And if you are and you're not sure what to do about it, pop me an email, info at fionaodonnell.ie. Fiona O'Donnell is two N's, two Ls. And let's have a chat. Let's have a conversation about whether we can actually make some small changes around the way you're doing things that will make you look at food in a different light, that will allow you to feel better, allow you to function better, and then potentially put you in a position where if you do still want to reach fat loss targets, that you can achieve those without going down the road of feeling like you're failing all the time. So guys, that's where we are. We're going to finish it up there. I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to say a big thanks to Mary for allowing us to utilize her case study to offer you the opportunity to learn, because that's all we're here to do is to offer you the opportunity to learn a little bit more about food, gain a different perspective maybe on on how you're eating and how you're nourishing yourself. And yeah, maybe open your eyes a small bit to what you're doing right and what you might be doing that's not really serving your own needs. So guys, once again, thank you for listening. If you have any suggested topics that you would like to hear about on the podcast, please do let me know. I'd be delighted to cover them for you. Talk to you soon. So once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. You know where to find me if you need me. Info at fionnodonnell.ie. We'll talk to you soon.